Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. An episode dedicated to Torsten Bauer's questions and comments. And you too can have an episode like this. Torsten's in uh, Germany, and I've had some Zoom calls with him. But this one, I just thought he sends me a thoughtful comment or question periodically, and I can't do a separate episode for each one. And I, I do promise to do another episode with uh, Torsten as we get together over Zoom. But this was just accumulating these uh, excellent questions and and comments that he had and dealing with them. I think it's five of them. I don't know if he's a once a week guy to me, but they're always insightful. And I want to share them with you and uh, give you my response to his response. But first, thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Comsi.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Okay. First question or comment from Torsten Bauer from Germany was about episode 679, dueling questions with Dustin Cooley 2.0. He brings up the sunk cost fallacy uh, as he's in finance. He's a nuclear physicist, but he's doing finance. Uh, Again, very bright guy. And he says the sunk cost fallacy really comes up and rears its ugly head when you get into the bear market. When you have a declining market, then people have paid more than what it's worth now, what they can get for it. And that's happened in the last couple of years. Two years ago, even one year ago, some cards went for a lot more than they go for now. They go for a lot more than they went for four or five years ago. The, The trend is up overall. But over the last year or two, some things have got so far up, they came down. And so people don't want to sell because selling means admitting they lost money. On the other hand, the question really isn't whether it went up or went down. It's, is it on the way to going up or going down? If it's going to bounce back, then hold on to it, regardless of what you paid. If it's going down, then sell before it goes down further, if that's the case. And not to be flippant, but it's too fresh sometimes. The sunk cost fallacy, when it's really fresh, if just last spring, you bought some card for $10 and now it's worth $5. And you remember that you have this feeling it just sticks in your craw to do it. But time can be the healer of those wounds. So your sunk cost at some point, whether it's in a few years, you may not be able to remember what you paid for it. Unfortunately, most hobbyists, including me, have uncanny memories of what they paid for uh, the cards that they've acquired. And so if you can't forget, you just should do what's best for going forward, if you're trying to raise cash to buy something else that you really want that you think is going to be desirable and going up, then something that's not going up, even if it has gone down, and think of it as a trade. Second one was Torsten commenting on the NBA trade deadline deals episode I did, episode 691. He liked that, and especially as it reflected the hobby, and his specialty was kind of the 90s, and many people are. And he mentions how the card companies were uh, not just the trades and things like that. But what was going on court influenced how the card companies decided to put players into the sets. And again, this is mainly basketball. And insert sets, by definition, were a subset of the whole. If the card company had a bigger set, they're trying to get the starters, maybe not the full rosters, but in many cases, the key players and rosters are much smaller for basketball. So they they could do that. But inserts, if you're going to have a 20-card insert set or a 10-card insert set, It's going to be according to a theme, and so you're going to pick, it's going to be the card companies, not the players' association, not collectors. There's going to be a perception that the companies have, if we're going to do this insert set that's about rebounders, are we going to take the top 10 rebounders according to what? According to hobby popularity, according to last year's stats or career stats, so there's some subjectivity to it. 
And of course, Corston being this big Shaquille O'Neal guy, Shaq's going to be in a bunch of these insert thematic subsets. Again, the card companies, these inserts I think are cool because they're picking out the, the, the best players and the better players according to something. It could be assists. It could be defense. It could be something you're not thinking about that much. But if Shaq appears in it, Torsten's going to want to do it. And now he thinks that these insert cards, and those were the chase cards back in the day. Now the chase cards are less on some of these inserts, although there's some exceptions, but more on the the lower numbered uh, base cards that are so serially numbered. And again, that's obvious. If you've got a 1 of 10 or 150, presumably that's better than an insert card that has an uncertain number. Although, again, you, you, you don't know that in some cases. Over time, you figure out, hey, these inserts are the equivalent of a 1 in 50 or a 1 of, one of 10. But thanks, thanks, Torsten. Third one uh, was Torsten's comment on the ways to collect with Kevin O'Keefe. He really appreciates Kevin, one of his favorite guests. I didn't know, Torsten, you had favorite guests. But I, I try not to pick favorites, but I enjoy the time with Kevin, letting him talk about his eight or nine different ways to collect. One of the things we talked about in that is Kevin has albums. And so he has these nine pocket pages and putting together, not necessarily by the player, but trying to come up with interesting ways to show the nine cards. And so it caused Torsten to think, yeah, Torsten mainly collects Shaq, cards in, in the prime of his career, but some of the later cards or after that, without trying to be exhaustive, he liked Kevin's idea of, I could get nine different base cards from some of these later years and put them together in a, in a nine pocket sheet. And that could be part of, of my Shaq uh, career retrospective. So again, I think Torsten applied his ingenuity to the idea from Kevin and I hope there was some value there. So again, Kevin, thanks for some of your ideas there of any number of ways to collect. Number four, Torsten commenting on episode 717, the outtakes from today's collector with Jeremy Lee, where Jeremy was asking me on behalf of collectible and in leading up to the Mint Collective, some different ways that I collect. And I mentioned and Torsten noticed that even though if I could only pick one guy, it'd be Rudy Clemente, but if you only collect one player, it's problematic going to even a large card show, much less a small card show. And Torsten didn't think I was singling him out, but he really only collects Shaq cards and really only Shaq cards, I think mainly they're when he played. And there's a finite number of those. So it doesn't really pay to go to card shows if you're going to buy cards. He has pretty much everything that's going to be there, he thinks, and he's probably right about that. He's not going to open product. If he gets into a break, he, he won't even want to pick the Lakers. And when I've seen that some of these uh, case breaks, when they allow you to pick by the player, the odds and, and the risk-reward cost-benefit for getting only one player is not, it's generally one of the worst deals, I think, just as I did the math on that. So he can't really do that. And so what is he going to do? He's going to shop on the internet because he's thought through it. And that's just what he wants to do. He's not going to that many shows. He's not doing breaks, but I guess he's got alerts for when interesting Shaq stuff comes up. And But to be fair, he's saying that it's not that if he had to do it over again, but he wouldn't advise another friend, unless somebody had, if they said one player that was totally their favorite, they could do that. But he's not suggesting that for everybody. So, but that's not the only reason to go to a card show. <laughs> I go to a card show because I like to look at cards I haven't seen. And so it's not just the fact that if I see something I like, uh, but I, I'm not just looking for Roberto Clemente or even a short list of players or even just Dallas Mavericks or Cowboys or Rangers or anything like that. I just like to look at cards I haven't seen. I like to pull out interesting ones. And when it's the dollar box, I, I'm not going to break the bank. 
And I'm always going to come home with some interesting stuff. The other thing that comes up, Torsten, is you're doing, again, Germany, probably not the best place for card shows, but in America, there's a lot of people I know that go to card shows. Rich, I've learned some of this from Rich. In fact, the Random Acts of Kindness, that is not an acronym for Rich A. Klein. (laughs) But Rich is a random kindness guy for sure. A very kind guy. Uh, So whether it's a a rack or not, and Rich does this, if he sees something that would be of interest to somebody that collects a certain player, and he's not picking up huge dollar cards, but he'll pick up something and give it to him. I think that's terrific. I've done a little bit of that. I try not to do too much of it because I don't want to play favorites too much here, but that's your prerogative to collect the way you want. But if you know somebody else that's interested in in a certain player and you see something that you're pretty sure they don't have, that's great. The other person in that same boat is Christina Thorson of the Card Ladder team. She collects Maxi Kleba, one of uh, Torsten's other favorite German players. But if, if you think it's hard to find Shaq cards, Maxi has been in the league a few years now, but there are not that many cards for him. And I don't know that, that uh, Christina is complete. So if she goes to a card show, she's probably not going to find something she needs online. She maybe could. And last one from Torsten. This is with the Dueling Questions 2.0 with Jake Roy mentioning, again, <laughs> he's calling us out on this, that we were a little bit critical of Shaq in one of the questions. Because when Shaq and Kobe were together, Kobe's a... I think once said that if Shaq had his work ethic, he would have been the greatest player ever. Shaq had amazing. If you look at some of the early footage of Shaq, when he could really move, he he was amazing. Okay, And Torsten brings up that he had a lot of things going for him off the court. Again, he's a persona. He's a marketing guy. He's a comedian. And so he had so much going on, and he was the best at his position for some period of time. Did that make him complacent? Just... Over time, time erodes a little bit, and it's a difficult game. You're pounding up and down the floor with 300 pounds. He also comments that he looks at the annual price guides, the Beckett Big Books, for not always the pricing, but he'll look at that to see whether that's relevant, and it finds that it is more relevant for the lower value cards that are not so volatile. But hes they're both saying, I guess, that some of the, the books have evolved due to space considerations. You don't always find the pack odds or some of the multiplier information. I think that's troubling to me too. I felt like when I was in, I I looked at the current status and all the things, but they're moving online and online I can find a lot of that stuff. But uh, I'd, I'd like to see that every book and every magazine has helpful information in there. I know when I was doing the annual books, I wanted to make sure the paragraph narrative about the set was helpful in deciding what it was worth, some sense of how it was distributed, and especially with the pack odds for some of these things. And then in the price guide lines, in the headers, trying to put multipliers and pack odds, insert ratios in that too. Because like I say, I think an informed buyer is a happy buyer. It is a bigger buyer because you have confidence that you're buying something. If it's more expensive, you have some concept of the relative rarity, then you can be more uh, comforted in uh, paying a bigger price. And so I hope that the various Beckett delivery systems have as much of that as possible. I realize there's probably some pressure and constraints on the products that are on paper, paper real estate, and you only have so much room to put the most. But I, to me, that's very important. In fact, it, in some sense, it's more important than the, the pricing. The the uh, pricing can change every so often, frequently, less frequently, but the pack odds ought to be what the pack odds are. The insert ratios are what they are. Final sports card insight is that many of the multipliers are the same multipliers 
that were the original multipliers. And those probably need to be evaluated. In many cases, the base cards are overvalued. And if you lower the value of the base cards, that doesn't necessarily lower the value of the parallel. It may be that the multiplier needs to be adjusted. Again, it ought to be reflective of what's selling, but just because a base card goes down doesn't mean the tougher parallel went down to the same degree. So that's it. Thanks, everybody. Keep your questions coming. Dr. James Beckett at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to consider your question. And again, enjoy the hobby. Greatest hobby of all time.